This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Finsider Radio, part of TheFinsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello everybody and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. And my, oh my, the Miami Dolphins coming away with a 31-28 victory over the Chicago Bears. The Miami Dolphins now 4-2 and in sole place and first place of the AFC East. Chicago Bears now three and two. Miami. Whoa, whoa. Sorry, I couldn't help, Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Miami Dolphins three. Miami Dolphins three and zero at home this season. And Brock Osweiler, Brock Tober, Brock at ship, Brock and roll, Brock Rock Stadium, Rock Hard Brock Stadium, whatever you want to call it. Brock Osweiler put on a performance today, boys. Twenty eight of 44, 380 yards, three touchdowns. Two interceptions, one definitely not his fault, one his fault. Frank Gore, 101 yards. Kenyon Drake, 57 yards, 4.4 yards per carry. Frank Gore, 6.7 yards per carry. Albert Wilson, 155 yards. What a game, what a statement, and what a comeback for the Miami Dolphins offense and defense, and what a way to bounce back after two horrible games. Sutton Houts, what are your initial thoughts on this? So many big plays, so many crazy plays, so many back and forth plays. What a roller coaster game to like be on the verge of winning and then have Kenyon Drake fumble right there at the goal line. And immediately, I know everybody out there is as jaded as I am. You thought we were going to lose. And then you see Cody Parkey, who ironically enough used to kick for us, push a kick wide right. I, and in the similar vein of the 90s Buffalo Bills, just to throw a little more salt on other people's wounds. And then we come back and win the game after that. What a roller coaster game. That was amazing. Yeah, roller coaster is an understatement. I mean, whereas Dolphin fans, we see, you know, the Dolphins go down. Okay, there's no way they're coming back. Then they come back. Then they go back down. Then they come back. Then that fumble at the goal line. I mean, every emotion that we have as humans, we. Uh, we went through it through this game. I did not think the Dolphins were going to come back and win after that Kenyon Drake fumble. Uh, like Sutton said, Cody Park used to play for the Dolphins, a guy who was pretty much money for the Dolphins last year, grew up here in uh, South Florida. He missed the kick, and then the Dolphins went downfield. Uh, it's just hard to even put into words this close to this game how well the <laughs> this feels because we're now 4-2, and two, and whatever you want to say about these last two games and how they laid an egg, the Dolphins are 4-2, and two, and they just won uh, probably one of the most fun games you'll see in the NFL this season. 
Brock Osweiler only getting some reps with the first team on Thursday and then Friday with the red zone offense. Does know the offense in and out, of course, was with Adam Gase in Denver. Bounced around the league. Is this a new Brock Osweiler? We don't know. And as we record this right after the game today, the press conference with Adam Gase is going on right now. And they just said they don't know if this injury to Ryan Tannehill is long-term or day-to-day. Now, we've seen Brock Osweiler in Denver. We've seen him in Houston. We saw him with short stint in Cleveland. These teams couldn't wait to get rid of him. And then he comes to Miami, and Adam Gase said he had to be talked into in training camp and preseason. And then it clicked for him before the fourth preseason game. He played great in that game, secured the backup position in that game, has been the primary backup these past five weeks, and then today thrust into action when Tannehill was declared out just hours before the game starting, about an hour and a half before the game starting, of course. Huge credit to Ethan Skolnick and three yards per carry and Dolphin Maven for breaking the news late Saturday night. We posted it on the Finsider.com. Many major media outlets, none, no major media outlets had it until this morning around 10, 11 o'clock. So huge credit to them for being on top of this situation. The exact injury is not known whether AC joint sprain, uh, you know, you don't know what it is at this point, but it may be a long-term injury. And honestly, guys, after a performance today like Brock Osweiler, I'm trying not to get too high on this. I'm trying not to get too excited. But, man, going up against the number one defense in the NFL, this is a statement, is it not? I definitely think it's a statement. I think uh, a lot of the credit has to go to Adam Gase. I mean, he came in here as backup quarterback. Sure, he knows what Brock Osweiler can do. But, I mean, he went out there and he called all the right plays in key situations. Albert Wilson, we need to tip our hat to that man because what he did on those two screens, I mean – this guy has just been playing out of his mind. He's making everybody forget about Jarvis Landry. Overall, though, I mean, Brock Osweiler, 388 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Sorry, 380 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He played out of his mind. He did exactly the opposite of what you might expect Brock Osweiler to do. And like you said, a lot of these teams who right now might need a quarterback, they said, you know what, let's get this guy out of here. And he comes to Miami, he takes a backup role after Adam Gase talks him into it. And he went out there and did everything that you could have asked of him. Uh, whether or not he's going to get a true chance at starting or even make this a competition, uh, we'll wait and see what Adam Gase says about that. But I think he definitely deserves it. I think he went out there and played as good as anyone could have expected. And, yeah, he made that poor pass, uh, the one to Parker on the sideline. You can kind of give that to to both of those guys. Parker made a terrible uh, attempt at that. It didn't even look like he went after it. Osweiler may have underthrew it a little bit. And then that predetermined ball on the outside of that out route to Albert Wilson – but overall, Brock Osweiler led that team down there. And, I mean, honestly, last week you saw what Tannehill did when the Dolphins were up, and once they went down, you kind of just in your heart thought that it wasn't going to be uh, – there was no way they were going to come back from that. And although you had that feeling a little bit this week with Osweiler, he ended up doing it. They ended up going out there, and they made plays when they needed to make plays. His understanding of the offense seems night and day, in my opinion. Sure, maybe Tannehill's uh, battling that shoulder injury. Maybe he's a little bit hesitant in the pocket because of what happened to him a few years ago with the ACL injury. But uh, what you see from Brock Osweiler before the ball snapped, after the ball snapped, going through his progressions, to me it just seems night and day. So for the Dolphins to not at least you know consider it or give Brock Osweiler a chance to maybe start down the road, I think that would be a, that would be a bad decision on the Dolphins' part. Yeah, in terms of a statement, I, I really – really think it speaks to um, h- how the quarterbacks are going through their progressions in this offense. And it just seemed like Osweiler was a little bit more up-tempo and a little bit quicker and and reading everything. And he was able to get things out quickly and and it wasn't he wasn't pushing the ball down the field, so that that wasn't the issue. So we were clearly able to move the ball uh, down the field without pushing it 
down too far and the one time we did to Devonte got taken away from us and that's a whole separate issue we can talk about that later but you know the the bears defense looked kind of flat to be honest with you so i think that factored into it and let's give kudos to the dolphins offensive line i don't think any anybody gave them a chance to uh to hold up to this defensive line and for the most part it looked like osweiler had some pretty good times to throw um yeah, maybe two or three pressures there, but it looked like it was a pretty clean pocket for the most part. So kudos to the Finns offensive line, and I'm sure they heard all week how the Bears are going to dominate them. So take that for what it's worth. But then, like I said earlier, just the way that Brock went through his progressions, east and west especially, uh, he, he wasn't doing anything crazy. He was taking what the defense was giving him. So you have to hope that when Ryan comes back that he's able to process the defense like Brock was able to. Um, I, I don't think you can uh, uh, make a different comparison there. It's uh, he, he was reading the defense pretty well, and he, he made that one kind of critical throw towards the sideline. That was a bad judgment call that I think that we would all agree was not a very good decision. Uh, but other than that, I thought he I thought he played pretty smart football. You're absolutely right about the offensive line. Khalil Mack, even though he was a little banged up, was essentially a non-factor in this game. Yes, made a few tackles. Yes, uh, made his presence known a little bit rushing the pass or making some pressure in the pocket. But over, overall, you know, when you look at the final box score, one tackle, one assist. Uh, not exactly all pro numbers that you've been seeing the past few weeks. And I'm not saying that Cleo Mack is not an all pro. He absolutely is. But I'm just saying just a huge credit to the Miami Dolphins offensive line, like you said, sign between Jawan James and Laramie Tunsil, just shutting him down with, for the most part, Jawan James and obviously a little bit help here and there. Kenyon Drake, people don't people just watch the um the ball sometimes, right? But they don't realize the nuances of the game. If you watch Kenyon Drake today, yes, he had that fumbled at the end zone in overtime. And I thought that was it once they started running down the field and they had all the momentum. But he did a great job picking up blocks today. Just a fantastic job. Brock Osweil was not sacked once today. And that is again a huge credit to this Miami Dolphins offensive line. When you look at you know, this game today, and you look at the different plays that led up to it. Albert Wilson, an absolute beast, uh, you know, up and down. The Bears went ahead. They were up by, uh, what was it, 11 points at one point. The Dolphins were driving down the field, settled for a field goal, down by eight. And then, you know, the Bears start driving, and it's like, okay, oh, my God. You know, this this game is not going to end well. The Bears are going to take this. The Dolphins are going to lose yet another one. And then T.J. McDonald with an interception in the end zone. Dolphins drive back up the field, score a touchdown rather quickly with Albert Wilson. Brock Osweiler, the tremendous two-point conversion play. Amendola falls down, play breaks down, stills keeps on moving in the back. Tough, tight rope sideline grab, catches it, comes down. Game is tied. Bears come rolling back down the field. And then, you know, the Dolphins are able to roll back down the field again and then eventually just bring it into overtime. And then overtime, um, we're all watching that. Frank Gore is rumbling and tumbling. They're trying to get it to Wilson, but the Bears have loaded in on him. And then Kenyon Drake at the goal line, uh, you see him dive forward, and the TV angles does not show him losing the ball. So we're all thinking he's in the end zone. And then you see the Bears celebrating. And then, like I said, they just start rolling down the field. Cody Parkey with a 53-yard attempt wide right. And then the Dolphins bring it back a little more. This was a tremendous one. I can't even finish my thoughts at this time. Uh, this was just a tremendous win for the Dolphins. It's exactly what they needed. 
And I'm not saying there's a quarterback controversy in Miami because I don't know that. I don't, I'm not trying to stir up the pot, but it's going to be a very interesting week in the media, on the radio, on Twitter, on all platforms, whether or not Brock Osweiler should be handed the permanent starting job. Um, let's just do general thoughts on the game today. Uh, how, so let's start with you, your general overall thoughts before we close out the show, and then so, and your general overall thoughts. Overall, you just got to look at this as one hell of a team win. I mean, uh, it looked like the Dolphins' defense was playing out of their mind in the first half, and then they came out and just kind of laid an egg. Tyreek Cohn was a problem. I know we talked about him on the podcast. I mentioned he was the guy that scared me the most on their offense. He went out there and just had an incredible game. Defense looked night and day in that second half and in the first half. Um, but overall, I mean, you just got to look at what this team did when they were down. They overcame adversity, like Sutton said. I mean, heading into this game, I expect Cleo Mack to put whoever the quarterback was into a body bag, and he was completely – I mean, his face is on a milk carton right now because he did absolutely nothing in this game. The Dolphins had a tremendous game plan for him and overall in the entire Chicago Bears defense because that was the number one defense heading into this game, and the Miami Dolphins just dropped 541 yards on him with Brock Osweiler. So you can let that sink in however you want you want to, but uh, to, to see what they did after those last two games to go out there and to defeat a team as good as the Chicago Bears. I mean, we know Mitch Trubisky. He's, he is what he is. He's a quarterback who, I mean, he has his good moments. He has his bad. I mean, he, he looked great out there. Taylor Gabe, Tyler Gabriel was pretty much uh, unstoppable. Uh, but what the Dolphins did there when things matter most was pretty – pretty awesome and uh, just hope that they can kind of build on that going forward because Adam Gase called a pretty good game there. Uh, those screen passes, I mean, the first few were just uh, lights out and then he kind of got a little bit crazy there and did them a little bit more often. Frank Gore was just running the ball effectively, came out again in the second half, kind of went away from that and then found it again later in the game. But overall, I mean, Brock Osweiler, this is a guy who teams were joking about. I mean, if you can honestly say, I mean, we think that Brock Osweiler, we knew he had a good understanding of this offense, and he go out there and he put up pretty good numbers. But if you thought that they go out there and lead this offense to 541 yards and come back and beat the Bears 31-28 in overtime, I mean, that's huge. So we're 4-2. and two. We play Detroit next week. Uh, that's what it is. I mean, those last two games that we played uh, pretty poorly, those mean nothing now because the Dolphins are 4-2, and two, and if the Patriots lose tonight, they're number one in the division. So I'm going to leave it at that. Go Dolphins looking ahead to Detroit. Uh, I do think uh, they should kind of look into this quarterback situation. I think Ryan Tannehill will be the quarterback, but to not get Brock Osweiler even a sniff at it or to, you know, even put some consideration into it, I think that would be uh, that would be foolish of the Dolphins to do. Perhaps the hard rock effect is real. I mean, we came in here playing a game that, and I'll admit that coming into this game, I was pretty half empty on this game. And for us to come in with no Cameron Wake, no Bobby McCain, no Ryan Tannehill, no Charles Harris, it really speaks to the resilience of Adam Gase teams. And we've, we spoke to this before, and we thought we saw it last week. We, we did see it there uh, in the first half against the Bengals. But uh, just really proud to be a Dolphins fan. And it really just speaks to how quick narratives can change in this league. We just went from being four and two and looking at a weird quarterback situation and looking at being number one in our division versus being three and three and wondering where in the world we're going, uh, going forward with this organization. Uh, do we have the right coach? Do we have the right quarterback? Yada, yada, yada. So it, it's amazing how, how quickly things can change and just a, an amazing game to be part of. Just be thankful that you spent your Sunday watching this game. 
so many back and forth moments, so many big plays. And thankfully, we just made enough plays to uh, eke out the victory there. And kudos to Jason Sanders for hitting that field goal. Yeah, big moment for him. But you looked at him on the sideline right before that kick, and that dude was just smiling and loose as all ever. That's what you want. Remember, Darren Rizzi handpicked Jason Sanders. He was a seventh-round pick. There was talk. There was rumblings, whispers that he wasn't the right pick, that there were better kickers on the board than Jason Sanders, that his accuracy rate in college was in the low 70s. And why would the Dolphins pick this guy when there are other kickers on the board? But it came out soon after that Rizzi personally picked this guy, and he paid huge dividends today. Whether or not that stays true moving forward, we know how quickly careers change in the NFL and how things change quickly in the NFL, like you just mentioned, Sutton, with this whole narrative of the Dolphins. I mean, they lose today. They're 3-3, three and three, and it continues the downtrend, and the whispers will come out about the quarterback situation, about Adam Gase, and so forth. But today, the Dolphins look like a football team, right? Albert Wilson did a lot of the work, but defense with timely turnovers, yes, they got beat up on the ground a bit, but we know that with scatbacks coming out of the backfield like Tariq Cohen, like James White, like Deion Lewis, we've seen it all throughout the season. They struggle with it. But tight ends are not killing them anymore. Wide receivers are not really killing them anymore. Quarterbacks running out of the pocket, they're getting better at that. So when you look at it all it's coming together, you can see this defense making improvements. The Bears at one point today had a 93.2% chance to win the game per ESPN's probability index. That's crazy. And if you talk to anybody on Twitter or in the national media before the game, the Bears had a 100% chance. Vegas changed the line from, I think, minus three or minus one to minus six once Tannehill was ruled out. Uh, that's unheard of almost so close to game time. But it just goes to show, like you both said, that nobody gave the Dolphins a chance today to win this game. Now, two things. Sutton, I want to make sure you're still in Ohio. You didn't walk to Kentucky today. You didn't walk to West Virginia. You didn't walk to Oklahoma. You're still there, correct? Yes, I'm still in my home. And... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just so, so, you, so, you know, Matt that was with us last weekend. Yeah. So we have this little ritual that we're actually 4-0 doing. So I, I, I'm not going to switch anything up from now on. I'm never going yeah, to a game with him again. Thing. I'll never go to a game with him again. We're going to keep doing what we're doing because we're 4-0 doing it. Yeah. That, sound, that sounds really uh, – I don't know how to put this, but you and another guy having a ritual that you do before <laughs> the game – uh, I don't know. Maybe you want to elaborate because I'm just. I, I can't. I can't my... get him pregnant, so it doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever it is, just All keep right. on doing it and just leave it at that. So All more right. tweets coming. <laughs> more more tweets coming out right now as we record this show. Uh, Dolphins beat reporters reporting right now that Brock Osweiler found out this morning he was starting by text message. So that's pretty crazy. So. For all the charades the Dolphins were putting Tannehill through warmups, that was obviously a, a game they were playing. If, if Brock Osweiler got a text, that meant he got it before 9 a.m. or so uh, because obviously they wouldn't text him at the field that he was starting. So so that we start piecing this little by little together. Um, second thing I want to mention before we wrap up the show is we had a very heated text message conversation this morning between all three of us. And uh, Sutton wanted to – Sutton, can I tell them? Absolutely. Let's be transparent with our fans. Sutton, Sutton wanted to record the podcast at 12 o'clock today and said, since we're going to get blown out today, let's record the podcast early and get it over with. Oh, I How's... didn't think you meant about that. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I but, was being uh... half-assed about that, but go yeah. ahead. <laughs> well, I just said it. Uh, Houts wanted two kickers on the team instead of Brock Osweiler. That's true. Uh, but uh, me, I said Brock can't be any worse than Ryan Tannehill. And you guys gave me a little bit of crap for that. Uh, we ended up talking it out. But we had mutual understanding and respect for each other, and I understood where you guys were coming from. And obviously, 
just like everybody else, nobody was giving the Dolphins a chance. Uh, but Tannehill was ranked number 32 in PFF for quarterback rankings. Again, no way really Brock could have played worse than Tannehill unless he threw multiple interceptions for pick sixes. Uh, he did throw two interceptions. Again, one was Devontae's fault. One was uh, Brock's fault. And I don't know if Devontae ever saw the field again after that interception. I have to go back and look at the snap count and everything else. But if he did, it was very, very limited action. I think his time in Miami is very short. I would not be surprised if he's traded this week. Um, you know, the Dolphins are 4-2, and two, and I understand that our thoughts may be not coherent right now. They're not really going in rhythm. We're kind of jumping all over the place, but this is what happens when you record after a big win right after the game. Uh, we will have our preview show for the Detroit Lions coming up on Wednesday morning. The Detroit Lions coming off a bye week, and they are, have been up and down this season, but they'll be playing at Hard Rock Stadium. A few weeks ago, we all said on this podcast that the Dolphins go 2-2 two and two in this stretch. That is very good. Listen, I'm, again, not getting too ahead of myself here, but the Detroit Lions is a very winnable game. And, yes, even though going on the road against the Texans on Thursday night football, that is a winnable game as well. The Dolphins end up going 3-1 and one in this stretch. That is huge, absolutely huge. Any last thoughts? Yeah, I just think today, just be happy to be a Dolphins fan. We're four and two. Uh, much, much um, shinier outlook for the uh, the for the rest of the season compared to what we thought maybe going into this game. And as as MC Money said, uh, I, I was a little bleak on this game coming into it. And I, I'm prepared to eat some crow. Brock Osweiler looked uh, absolutely uh, in charge of everything with the offense. And I, I did not expect that today. So I, I'm really happy uh, that that was the, the backup quarterback play that we got today. Uh, we moved the ball admirably against the number one defense in the entire NFL up to this point. And we got the victory, 31-28. Kudos. Uh, love everybody. Yeah, there's no reason to eat crow, man. I mean, this is our team. Uh, I don't think if the Dolphins had Matt Moore there at quarterback or they gave David Fales a chance, there was any way that they were going to end up winning this game. Yeah, Brock Osweiler, you know, he threw some of those screen passes, some of those high percentage throws, but he went out there, and like we've said throughout this entire podcast, he had an understanding of this offense. The guy looked like freaking Peyton Manning pre-snap, the way he was getting people in position, the way he was, you know, hot around here and there. I mean, it was just impressive to see the way he had an understanding of that offense. Uh, happy that Brock Osweiler is our backup quarterback. Hope that he gets a chance, you know, to at least throw his name in the ring for the, the starting position. But at the end of the day, Dolphins are 4-2. and two. Uh, We're going on to Detroit. If New England loses tonight, I know we'll all be watching. Again, if they lose tonight, Miami's back in first place. Uh, it's just a great place to be after that long offseason where all we kept hearing was how bad the Dolphins were going to be this season. To see them rally together, you guys mentioned the Charles Harris, the Cameron Wake, the Ryan Tannehill. You know, injury after injury, this team – uh, went above that, and they went out there and they just defeated the number one defense in the NFL, one of the better teams in the NFL. Uh, you just got to tip your hat to the Dolphins, Adam Gase, everyone overall. They went out there, they got the job done, and we can all rest easy because tonight the Dolphins are now 4-2. and two. Uh, Just got to say one thing, Kenyon Drake, I think we all felt for him there. I mean, when he had his towel over his head, I mean, we all kind of – it was like watching a notebook for the first time. I was sad. I was heartbroken. You just wanted to give that guy a hug. So at the end of the day, Dolphins 4-2. and two. Uh, fins up and let's go beat the lines next week. Quick question. I know I said, we're going to wrap up after your final thoughts, but I'm going to put this out there. Does Ryan, do the dolphins win this game? If Ryan Tannehill is their quarterback today, outs. 
Yeah, I was thinking about that, and it's that's tough to say. I, I don't know if they do. I mean, we saw last week. I mean, Chicago's defense is better than Cincinnati's, right? And, I mean, I know it's a different game, uh, different, you know, situations, but he went out there and laid an egg with the game on the line with a similar offensive line. Sure, Tunsil's back, but I just don't know if they do. I don't know if it's something with Tannehill's psyche or what it is, but Brock Osweiler, he just looked confident, and he just – didn't really give a crap, and he went out there and slung the football and led this team. So I want to say yes, but my heart says no. Yeah, impossible to tell. Uh, it's it's hard to tell uh, how they would go through their progressions the same, and that's why we were giving Brock all the uh, all the kudos earlier in the show because he did process the game the way that he did. So. Uh, really, let's uh, kind of ignore Ryan out of all this because he didn't play in this game. Let's give the kudos to Brock, and he he played well in this game, and 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 kudos to him because without him, we don't win this game. At the end of the day, the Miami Dolphins are four and two right now. As we record this podcast, they're in sole possession of first place of the AFC East. Patriots versus Chiefs tonight. If you're listening to this before the game, I know we're all going to be watching it very closely now. If you're listening to it after, well, you know the final result and where we stand going forward. Again, Dolphins vs. Lions preview show coming out Wednesday morning. Make sure you subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Please bring us to the top of the charts. And we, follow us on Twitter at Touts at Sutton in Kentucky. Is that your new name, Sutton? Or is it still at Sutton Laces Out? Yeah, it's still Sutton Laces Out. I just changed right. my like other thingy to Sutton. And mine, of course, at Kanata NFL. That's going to do it for us here on a, the Miami Dolphins Victory Edition of Finsider Radio. For Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. 
It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.